PDF, PDA, 411, FTP, VPN, SMS, POP3. <sighs> Stop and reboot. Need help maneuvering the technology jungle? Listen to the experts. Adriana Linares and Debbie Foster guide you through real tips for your law practice. It's Legal 3.0, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Legal 3.0. I'm Adriana Linares, and today I'm in Orlando, Florida. And I'm Debbie Foster, and today I'm in Tampa. Welcome to the third edition of our podcast. If you missed our first two, you missed out on some good stuff. So we hope you'll go back to LegalTalkNetwork.com and look up our first two podcasts. The first one was on practice management software, and the second one was the first part of the series we're doing now on email management. Also, on LegalTalkNetwork.com, there's some other really great podcasts, the Kennedy Mile Report, the Paralegal Voice, that you should check out while you're there and download and subscribe to some of those shows. They're free on iTunes, so you can subscribe on iTunes, or you can download them directly from the Legal Talk Network website. We want to take a minute, too, to thank our sponsor, Software Technologies. STI has been developing technology solutions for the legal market since 1979. Their award-winning software programs, Tabs 3 and Practice Master, are two of the most widely used programs in small and mid-sized firms today. You can learn a lot more about them at www.tabs3.com. So today is the second part of our two-part podcast on email management, and I'll just do a quick, quick recap of the things that we talked about in the first one. In case you haven't heard it, hopefully it'll entice you to go and listen, and if you have, this will kind of refresh your memory about what we went about talking about. We are... Focusing on Outlook, hoping that, you know, or thinking that most people, most lawyers use Outlook because that's generally what we encounter as Debbie and I walk through the halls of law offices. It's mostly Outlook and a little bit of um, some other tools, but we chose to stick with Outlook. And although the first part of our discussion really wasn't so much about Outlook, we talked about how easy it is and how important it is for you as an attorney to get your own email address and not be using some of the free accounts like AOL and Yahoo and Hotmail. So we talked about going out to GoDaddy or Network Solutions or any of those other um, domain selling services and buying them. We talked about saving your email or having two different email addresses in order to better manage your email. So hopefully if you listen to the first podcast, maybe you've started to put some of those tips into practice. And we talked about transitioning to to those new email addresses or figuring out ways to separate your old one from your new one. And, um, we also talked about, uh, controlling spam and mail services, how it, it's either something you can use with Outlook. You can use, uh, your spam control that's based on your service provider, or you might have some third party solution like McAfee or, um, other, some other tool that integrates into your email to help you. We talked about exchange and then some of the third party solutions when it came to managing your email. This is one of our favorite topics because, um, we get a lot of email and Debbie and I are very frequently asked to come to bar associations or law firms and talk about email management. So we feel that over the years, we've gotten a lot of experience sort of helping people better manage email, right, Debbie? Yes, we do. We talk about that all the time with, with law firms individually and also with groups that we speak to about email management because it, it definitely is one of the things that people struggle with on a daily, maybe even hourly or minute-by-minute minute basis. Email has become the preferred communication method for so many people that it's not uncommon for me in a day to get 250 actual valid emails. 
Now, I try really hard to respond to my email as I get them, but it's just not practical every day. And I know that the same thing is true for you as well. So what we're going to try and do today is help you with some tips and tricks, some of the things that we've found help us manage our email for you to put into place to manage your own email. So we're hoping that you are an Outlook user because that's what we're talking about today. And we hope that you have taken the time to go ahead and open Outlook. And if you haven't, then you need to put this on pause and launch Outlook because we're going to walk you through the first section of this podcast and give you some of our favorite tips and tricks for um, what we're going to start with what I often refer to as maximizing your screen real estate, because Outlook is really good at helping you sit down in front of it and taking a quick look as fast as you can at all of the emails that are sitting in your inbox. So hopefully you've opened it up by now. And chances are Debbie and I almost don't even need to see your screens to know what it looks like. What Debbie, why don't you describe what you think the typical Outlook inbox looks like, and I bet you if we could hear them laughing, they're going to start laughing because you're going to perfectly describe what their screens look like right now. Right. Because it looks exactly the way it came out of the box. You're going to double click on the icon and you're going to see the from the subject and the received and maybe the size of the email, but that's it. If it came with the preview pane turned on, and sometimes that happens because someone else installed Outlook for you and they set it up the way that they like to see their email. But the funny thing here is however it was set up for you, there's a really good chance that you've never, ever changed it. And I'll bet you that you could challenge us to set up Outlook 50 different ways in 50 different views, and we could surprise you with 51 different <laughs> ways that you could look at Outlook. So that's what we want to talk a little bit about now is how to really lay out your screen so it helps you in the way that you work. So we're going to give you a bunch of tips and you can sort of pick and choose which ones you do and you don't like. I'm going to start with a couple of my favorites, which is turn off the reading pane. And know it's kind of hard to get used to, but I'm going to give you an alternate option in a second. The reading pane takes up a lot of screen real estate. So if you go up to view and for the next couple of tips that we give you, we're going to talk to you under the view tab at the top of um, after file edit view, because you're changing the way you view outlook. There's a whole menu dedicated to way the, to the way you view outlook. That must mean there's something important to it. So this isn't any different than, you know, getting a new, getting into a car, you have to move the seat back. You have to readjust the mirrors. You've got to figure out where everything is with software. Oftentimes it's, it's the exact same thing. So I'm going to go over to view and I'm going to go to reading pane and you'll see that your choices are right bottom and off. I say, turn it off. Debbie, do you work with it on or off? I work with it on. Some people like it. And especially if you have two monitors, well, you know, then you're, you're golden, but I'm going to tell you to turn it off as my first tip. And instead of using the reading pane, go back to view and go to auto preview. This is a really interesting feature. What it does is it shows you the first three lines of every single message. So instead of just being able to preview and look at one message, which is what the reading pane does, this allows you to look at all of your email or all the messages that fit on your screen. And you can see the first three lines. And I guarantee you, as you start scrolling through, you're going to find that most emails are not more than three lines long. There are things like, hi, Adriana, will you be over in Tampa next week? Or thanks. I can't wait to hear back from you. Most messages we use, most emails now, we use them a lot like text messaging, just three or four lines. And, and then the, that's it. So when you're looking through the auto preview, what this affords you the ability to do is now put your hands on your keyboard, 
Put your hands on the up and down arrows and on the delete key. And you can scroll through very quickly and without having to open or um, double click any of those email messages, you can just hit delete, which by the way, there is a delete key on your keyboard. I know most of you have never seen it. We have seen some inboxes in our <laughs> lifetime. Um, so that's my very first tip is uh, using view auto preview to look at your email box. And when you sit down in front of Outlook, you can take a quick glance at 10 or 15 emails instead of just one. That's a great tip. And, and I do just want to add one thing about the preview pane, if it is something that you like to use. Many people want to use the preview pane, but they don't use it because someone told them somewhere along the way that it causes viruses. So I just want to make sure that we dispel any myths that you might have about the preview pane. If you want to use it, you can absolutely use it. Where the virus thing comes into play is if you click on a link or you download an attachment or you download what appears to be a Word document that in fact is not a Word document. So those rules still apply about your email. Be very careful about what you open, what you click on from a link perspective and what you download as an attachment. I will say though, I think one of the benefits of the preview pane, and this is one of the reasons I just don't use it a lot, is you can copy and paste text directly from the preview pane. So if you're someone who reuses a lot of emails and does a lot of copying and pasting, then I definitely think the benefit is there. You got something else, Debbie? No, I was just going to say that I, I think that um, there have been times when I've turned the, the preview pane off and turned just the auto preview on, and it is also a great feature. And I think that's one of the things that is important for you to, to really take an experiment with is maybe turn it off if you're a, a user of the preview pane. Turn it off and turn on the auto preview and see if that helps you work better. And if it doesn't, there's nothing wrong with going back, but I bet a lot of you will find that that's a better way for you to work. And some of it is just about how we've gotten accustomed to working. Absolutely. So my next good tip, I think, is on dealing with the rows and columns that make up your inbox. And this is something you've probably never thought about. But I know that everybody knows how to click on the word from at the top of the from column to sort all together the emails and who they came from. I also know that people know how to click on the received button in order to reverse the order that your emails are displaying from ascending to descending. When you're doing that, you're clicking directly on the word from on the from column. So if you think about your inbox as rows and columns, each email is a row and then each column you've got from subject received. And as Debbie, Debbie mentioned in the beginning here, you probably have size and categories because that's how Outlook comes to you straight out of the box. My, my next suggestion is get rid of the size column because size doesn't really matter that much anymore in email the way it used to and get rid of the categories column until you start learning and figuring out and using categories to, to their fullest. You can always add those back later and I'm going to show you how to do that now, but I'm going to give you a couple of suggestions for some columns that might be more useful to you. You can remove a column. So we mentioned remove the column. What you do is you go over and then the same way that you click directly on the word from to sort by from, and in the same way that you click directly on the word received to sort the order that the emails are showing, you can go over to that categories column header, click and hold instead of clicking, but you're going to click and hold and drag down about an inch, almost on top of an email message. When you do that, you're going to see a big black X on top of the column heading that you're pulling off. When you see that big black X, just let it go and that column is gone. Now it's not deleted and it's not gone forever, but you can certainly get it back. And um, Debbie, do you want to tell them how to do the two column? 
Yeah, to add the two column, you're going to do the same thing somewhere up in that in, in the header row. You're going to right click up there and you're going to go to field chooser. Debbie, I, I don't mean to interrupt you, but I just want to say the single most important thing that you have to do is click directly on one of those column headings. So when you clicked on from before, this time click on the word from with your right click and hold. Right. And when you do that, a menu will come up and one of your options is field chooser. And if you click on field chooser, the very first thing that comes up is the frequently used fields in Outlook. And you'll notice if you scroll down in that list, one of the things that the very last option, if you haven't changed anything, is two. And so you can take two and you click with your left mouse button and you drag it up. Typically, the place where you would put two is in between from and subject. So if you click it and you drag it up right on the line between from and subject, you'll get two red arrows, basically telling you this is where I'm going to drop that column. And so if I let go of that, it puts it in between from and subject, and I can use the line in between two and subject to make that larger. Now, why would you ever want two in your inbox? Because every email that you get is sent to you, right? Well, that's true, but it also gets sent, right. If you're in a big firm or even if you're in a smaller firm, a lot of times you get emails that went to everyone or emails that go to secretaries or to partners, which means you're part of a group. Or if you're on a listserv, it goes to, and sometimes it's blank. So when you're sitting down in front of Outlook, trying to decide which of the most important messages that you need to act on the soonest. Having the two column available in front of you helps you decide that. So right now I'm looking at my inbox and I can see an email that went to Adriana. I can see another one that went to Adriana. I can actually see one that went to Raya Sun, which is my Gmail account. So that immediately in my mind falls to the bottom of my list of urgent emails to get to. And there's one that says to all users. So it's important when you're sitting down in front of 50, 60, or in Debbie's case, 250 emails in a day for you to be able to take a quick look at your screen and determine what are the important email messages? What's the subject? Did this one come to me? And if it didn't, if it went directly to me, chances are it's much more important than the one that it went that went to all users. Now, let, let me just add one last thing before we take a break, because we, we need to, to take a break here. But um, you can also, in the same way that you added the two column, you can add the CC column. So you can see who the message was to and who was CC'd on it. So I have an email in my inbox that was sent to Adriana and I was copied on it. So I know that the person who sent that email is expecting Adriana to act or answer on that email. And I was just copied for reference. So you do get a lot of information just in that one row in your email inbox if you have the to and the CC column in there. And don't forget, there are a bunch of other um fields that you can choose from when you go into that field chooser option. So make sure you poke around and then figure out which of the columns are going to be the most important and the most beneficial to you. Chances are that a secretary or legal assistance inbox needs to look a little bit different maybe than her attorneys. So take a look and poke around in there and figure out what's the best view for you. Okay. So that was great information. Let's go ahead and take a break and hear a word from our sponsor, Tabs3. For the past five years, Tabs 3 and Practice Master Software has been the most award-winning suite of legal billing and practice management products in the U.S. Nine out of ten clients recommend Tabs 3 and Practice Master to other firms 
and our clients have 95% satisfaction with our customer support. If your firm needs reliable billing or practice management software, your decision is obvious. For a free trial or to learn more, visit tabs3.com slash podcast or email podcast at tabs3.com. Don't miss out on the latest in new media marketing opportunities for your firm. Contact Deb Curran at 781-551-9960 and learn all about the Web 2.0 revolution. Okay, welcome back to Legal 3.0. I'm Debbie Foster with my co-host, Adriana Linares. Well, we're going to talk for a few more minutes as um, as we have been about dealing with email and helping you figure out better ways to use and uh, manage Outlook. So let's talk real quick, Debbie. I'll ask you a couple of questions and you give me some answers and we'll just run through a couple of frequently asked questions. How can I manage, um, let's say, all the emails I get from a listserv or from, you know, Debbie and I both do a lot of work with the American Bar Association. So we get a lot of emails from the ABA, which yes, ABA, you are important and those emails are important, but they're not nearly as important as the emails I get from my paying clients. So is there a way that I can move or separate those emails from important, but not so important senders into another place that I can get to them when I'm ready? Yeah, that's a great question because I I almost start twitching when I stand behind a lawyer's inbox in Outlook and I see all kinds of listserv email, which are left unread. So then when they see their inbox, it says 2,946 unread messages and and those are all from the listserv, but how would you ever know that? Because that goes back for the last three months. The best solution to that is to move your listserv email into a subfolder. And I don't mean move each and every one as it comes into your inbox. All you need to do is create a rule for that message. So I'm going to walk you through really quick how to do a rule just so you, um, you know, you can try this. And if you All of the Microsoft Office products have whatever version you're running have a help feature. And if you go to help and you type in rule, it will tell you step by step exactly how to create a rule. Okay, if you're using Outlook 2003, you'll have an actions menu up at the top. And if you're using Outlook 2007, in the ribbon, you'll have an action section and one of the buttons there says create rule. So you'll either go to actions and create rule or you'll click on the ribbon button that says create rule. And that's actually a pretty smart utility that Outlook has put in. It goes in and says, okay, I think I can figure this out. Do you want to create a rule based on an email that was sent from a particular email address or with something in a subject line or something that was sent to you? And most often you're going to pick the very top option, one that was sent from a particular email address. And then you can see down at the bottom of a section of that, of that window that comes up, it says, do the following. And you're just going to check the box that says move the item to a folder and click a button that says select a folder. In Outlook 2003, it's actually a little hyperlink that says folder that you click on and you pick what folder you want to send the messages to. Very conveniently in that box that pops up after you click select folder or you click the folder link, there's a button that says new. So you can create a new folder right from there. So as an example, I'm on the ABA family law, law practice management listserv. I 
highlight a message. I click on the create a rule. I say I want to move them. And then I create a new folder called ABA Family Law LPM. And I say, put it all in there. And then as soon as that email falls into my inbox, it gets filtered out and it gets put into that folder where I can read those messages at my leisure at some other time. And they're not sitting in my inbox where I feel like I have to go look to see who sent me a new email. That's a great tip. And I think it's definitely something everyone should learn how to do. Creating rules is super fast and easy. And I think now more than ever, I'm finding that when I creep up behind an attorney and look over his shoulder, many of those unread and um, less important, but maybe still important to them emails are notifications for from things like LinkedIn and Facebook and Twitter. So if you're in that world and you're getting a lot of notifications and you like to receive them via email, don't let them clutter your inbox. So creating rules for things like that is a, is a perfect way to get all those messages off to the side and be able to deal with them when you're, when you're ready. We should mention too, very quickly, um, the subfolders that Debbie created on the fly just now, you can of course create whenever you want by right clicking on your inbox and, you know, creating, let's see, what is it? Right click on your inbox and new folder. When you do that, you can create subfolders. And I think that's the one thing almost every attorney on the planet needs to know how to do because they end up having hundreds of folders and sometimes folders embedded within other folders. And we realize that those are very handy and that oftentimes it's the only way that most of you figure out how to manage all your emails and manage matters and cases and all that. But we have to say, um, as your consultants, that Outlook is not a document management and a case management and a matter management program. Um, it's an email and information manager. So if you're finding that you have hundreds of those subfolders um, still sitting there. Uh, there's a couple things that, that you can do. So let's talk about those real quick, Debbie. Let's take the last couple minutes and quickly mention archiving and then talk about practice management software and integrating them. And as the last thing, let's also just mention very quickly Acrobat and how you can archive folders, or maybe we should do PSTs and archives in Acrobat. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Um, you can create new, we'll call them for lack of another term, a new file cabinet. You, just like you could go to Office Depot and buy a brand new empty file cabinet to start storing new things in, you can do the same thing in Outlook. If you just go up to the file menu and you go to new, one of your options is Outlook data file. And that will actually create a brand new PST file that you can create subfolders in and move mail to. Some of you might be thinking, hmm, this sounds like a really good idea because your IT department keeps coming down to you and saying, your mailbox is too big, your mailbox is too big. Make sure that you follow all of your firm's policies on retention and things like that. And, and you should probably clear this with your IT people before you do it. But you can create Outlook data folders to store old email or your personal email or your list email, however, however you want to do that. And it's as simple as going to file and new and creating a new PST file. Outlook also has the ability to auto archive items. And when it does that, it just archives them into an archive PST file. And if you go to the file menu again and you go to archive, there will be some options there for you to archive without, uh, not auto archive, but you to manually go in and archive items. And it'll let you pick the folders. It'll let you pick a date, only archive things that are older than this particular date. And you can also set up Outlook to auto archive for you, which that is under tools and options. 
And on the other tab under tools and options, there's an auto archive button where you can set some parameters for how you want auto archive to work for you. Now, another option for those of you that have Adobe Acrobat uh, standard version in any version, uh, 7, 8, or 9, let's say, 9's the latest. If you haven't bought Adobe Acrobat, this might give you another reason to buy it. When you install Acrobat standard, it installs an add-in into Outlook that allows you to take a yellow folder. Let's say you had Matter 1, 2, 3, and you were ready to sort of archive it, or the Matter's been closed for three years, but it's still sitting inside of Outlook, and you don't know what to do with it. It has a it installs a toolbar in Outlook that allows you to click on one of those yellow folders and convert all of those email messages into a PDF binder. And it is just a beautiful, magical file. It converts them all into a PDF file that you can still sort exactly the same way that you do in your inbox. You can sort by from, subject, date. So it's actually really amazing. And you should learn a little bit more about that. And maybe we'll talk about that one day in an Acrobat podcast, but that's uh, another way for you to archive. And finally, the last thing we want to mention is practice management software. Our very first podcast, we talked about case management and why you should have it and why you need it. And we may have mentioned the integration possibilities that there are, but, um, Debbie, you're much more familiar with some of the case management programs than I am. Why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, how they install and how to deal with it and how easy it is to save emails that you've been sent and received into the practice management. That, that's a great, um, uh, a great closing tip. Because for those of you who are using practice management software, one of the benefits of saving your emails in your practice management software is that other people in the firm who are working on that file with you can now see those emails. When they're in your inbox, you don't get, everybody doesn't get access to them unless you've opened up from a security perspective and given people access to your inbox. The other great benefit to saving them in your practice management software is that it makes it very easy for you to do time entries for them. So all of that time, and I'm sure all of you are rolling your eyes thinking, oh yes, I've definitely lost time on sending and receiving emails where I haven't actually captured that billable time. Practice management software is a great way for you to be able not just to save the emails into the database, but also to be able to capture the time that you spend on them. It helps your, uh, your inbox because once you save that email into your practice management software, you can get rid of it from your inbox. Once it's saved there, there's no need for you to have it in Outlook. And many of the practice management software programs out there, and let's talk about Practice Master specifically, that's Tabs 3 is our sponsor. They also are the um, developers of Practice Master, installs this great toolbar right in Microsoft Outlook where when you get a substantive email that you want to save to a client file, you just click a button right from within Outlook and it makes a copy of that email and saves it into the Practice Master database. It's a very, very handy tool and feature um, in the practice management software programs that are available today. Well, those are great tips, Debbie. Thanks. And, you know, sadly, we're about out of time for this edition of Legal 3.0. But before I forget, Debbie, let's tell them about our affinity training sessions. Oh, that's a, uh, we almost forgot. Uh, affinityuniversity.com is a website that we have just launched that has, I think, 36 different one-hour web-based training classes on products like Microsoft Outlook, also Microsoft Word, Tabs 3, Practice Master, many of the other practice management software programs, as well as uh, PDF, web searching, uh, there's just a bunch of them out there, and it's just affinityuniversity.com. We also want to take a minute to tell you about our next 
podcast series. We're going to do another series. And this one is going to be about getting that large amount of paper that you have in your office under control. We're going to talk in our first session about scanning hardware, uh, the things that you need to be able to embark on this process. Then we're going to talk about managing all of your electronic documents with document management and also just with uh, standard uh desktop search software and with Windows Explorer. We're going to give you lots of different options on that. And then the last session we're going to talk about is how you how Adobe Acrobat fits into that equation and all of the absolutely amazing, fantastic things that you can do with Adobe that it's not just a PDF creator. There are a lot of great features that lawyers and legal professionals can use that you probably don't know about. So that's going to be a really informative session. And we're going to do that in a three-part series, uh, starting with our next podcast. Well, thanks again to STI, the makers of Tabs 3 and Practice Master. You can learn more about them by visiting tabs3.com. We hope you enjoyed the show and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Legal 3.0. This podcast is produced by the Legal Talk Network. Subscribe to all of our podcasts free at LegalTalkNetwork.com or on iTunes. And check out Adriana Linares' website at LawTechPartners.com and Debbie Foster's site at InTouchLegal.com.